0: Hi, I'm Marcia, and I'm Amy. This is Blood Tide, a mother-daughter storytelling podcast.
1: back, BT buddies. Life partners. It seems to be on everyone's mind. Tons of articles are devoted to the subject. I've heard countless interviews about it. People are seeking it, dreaming about it, finding it, losing it, and never finding it. What if you could find your life partner at birth? And no, I don't mean an arranged marriage. (laughs)
0: Right. Besides, I don't know how many people in arranged marriages would actually say that's their life partner, maybe
1: like after some time. Yeah. Would you want to know at birth or would you rather the hunt for one? Go to our Instagram at Podcasts and share your thoughts in our survey. Today's episode is all about life partners, probably just not the one you might be obsessing over. I'm going to introduce you to the Hilton sisters in this Marsha's mini. You're not talking about, like, Paris
0: Hilton or those Hilton sisters.
1: No, not those Hilton sisters. The Hilton sisters that we're going to talk about today were famous in the 1920s and known as the Singing Siamese Twins. Okay. Conjoined twins, Daisy and Violet Hilton, were born in Brighton, Sussex, England, on February 5th, 1908. According to the National Institute of Health's U.S. National Library of Medicine, Identical twins develop when a single fertilized egg, also known as a monozygote, splits during the first two weeks of conception. Conjoined twins form when this split occurs after the first two weeks of conception. The monozygote doesn't fully split and eventually develops into a conjoined fetus that shares one placenta, one amniotic sac, and one chorionic sac. Since they came from the same egg, they will also be the same sex. And conjoined twins are typically female. And the extent of separation and the stage at which it occurs determines the type of conjoined twin or where and how they'll be joined. Oh, so there's like different ways that you
0: can be a conjoined twin? Or yeah, be
1: there are a lot of different ways. Um, sometimes the twins would be joined at the head or oh. cranium and are known as, and I'm not sure if I'm saying this properly, craniopagus twins. Then there there are some that are connected at the chest or thoracic cavity, and they're known as thoracopagus twins. They sound like dinosaurs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes twins are conjoined at the lateral and posterior surface of the sacrum or your tailbone. And this is pygopagus. Isseopagus twins are joined at the inferior margins of the tailbone and sacrum with two separate spinal columns. And then xiphagus or omphal, I can't say that word, omphalopagus twins are joined at the region of the umbilicus or belly button. Clearly, it's really technical and complicated. Luckily, Daisy and Violet didn't live between the 15th and 18th centuries because twins were thought to be monsters back then. Monster, even if they weren't conjoined
0: or just conjoined Conjoined children? twins, oh, okay. yeah.
1: But I'm sure they thought something weird about. Yeah, anything different. Twins that weren't different. conjoined too, right? Different, right, yeah. exactly. So back then, there just wasn't the medical understanding to explain what happened. And the common person during that time period thought something evil happened or was happening that resulted in the twins. The mother must have experienced or witnessed some type of traumatic event or had evil thoughts and bang, conjoined twins came out. <laughs> it's that easy. Yeah. One of the earliest printed illustrations of conjoined twins comes from 1471 and details from 1475 of conjoined twins from Verona, Italy explain parents made money off their children by touring Italy and exhibiting them to people who were burning to see this new spectacle. It's horrible to think that parents exploited their children for money. But I wonder if they were tired of people pointing and whispering, if they were shunned and couldn't find jobs or a place to live because no one accepted or understood their family. And we know exploitation of children is not a new phenomenon and still happens today. So we shouldn't really be shocked that it also happened a long time ago. Yeah, they all over the Internet, like having their little toddler have their own Instagram or TikTok. Yeah. So separation of twins. Early on, it just wasn't a medical possibility. As I mentioned, there was just not enough knowledge or tools or they just couldn't do it. Oh, I forgot you could separate twins. Yeah, you can. Um, I mean, I'm sure they did it back then, but... Maybe unsuccessfully. (laughs) I think, and maybe that wasn't, maybe they weren't worried about that. If they thought they were monsters, maybe they were interested in like, how did this happen? But later in the 20th century... It became more possible, and some families of twins were just too reliant upon them financially because they were exploiting them, or maybe the twins liked being in the limelight. So separation was typically a last resort in those cases where there was some type of incurable disease. Then they'd they go forward with it, but it wasn't very common. These early attempts to separate conjoined twins were mostly on twins who were joined at the belly button because a band of skin and tissue formed the connection and this was the easiest type of connection to separate the first successful document of separation was in 1690 and they put a ligature around that band of skin every day and they tightened it and they tightened it the next day and they kept tightening it until it could finally be separated by a knife what that does not seem like a medical thing that's so, it sounds it so painful and scary. Like every day they're the skin that you have between you and someone else. And they're just put like a big band and they're like tightening and and tightening and ugh, tightening. That sounds horrible.
0: Yeah. And they weren't like given anything probably for the pain or to like, Oh, no, I don't think so. Horrible. So no wonder I wouldn't want to be. I'd be like, no, I'm going to stay connected.
1: Yeah. And then you think about it, the the constant worry or concern. What if it works? What happens? Will we survive? Will we have other physical complications? Can we really live separated from each other? And what if it doesn't work? What would happen? So many questions without answers. These early attempts to separate conjoined twins who shared organs and more tissues often resulted in only one twin surviving. And that must have been devastating to the surviving twin Like having survivors' guilt. Oh, yeah, that probably was really hard. Yeah. So you can understand why it probably didn't happen very often. Mm -hmm. Plus, just the idea, like, imagine a doctor is coming towards you and you're like, this guy doesn't know anything. I'm not gonna let him start. Let me put this rubber band on your skin. (laughs) What the heck? So when the f- 1950s rolled around, there was greater medical understanding supported by better technology to enable much more successful separations of the various types of conjoined twins with a much higher likelihood of both twins surviving. So did Daisy and Violet stay attached? or? We'll talk about that later in our story. But to begin with, they were born attached at the hip and fused at the base of the spine, sharing some blood vessels, but mainly separate circulatory systems. It's alleged Kate Skinner, their mother and an unmarried barmaid, believed the condition of her daughters was God's punishment for her indiscretions. So kind of a variation on that monster theme, like, uh, or doing something wrong or seeing something wrong. Still, you know, much past that 15th to 18th century timeframe. Supposedly, separation was considered at their birth, but quickly dismissed because they thought only one twin would survive. That must have been hard. I can imagine giving
0: birth and they're like, do you want to do this? But only one's going to survive. It'd be tough. That's a
1: terrible decision to have to make. Yeah. Daisy and Violet were the first conjoined twins to be born in the UK and to survive for more than a few weeks. Hmm. Mary Hilton, the midwife for Kate's pregnancy and delivery, took in the twins. But I read another account that Kate sold the girls to Mary, who was the owner of the bar where she worked. Regardless of how the sisters ended up with Mary, Mary, her daughter, and son-in-law paraded the girls in exhibition across England, even when they were just infants. The girls were locked in isolation when they weren't on display.
0: That's horrible.
1: Yeah. They learned to play musical instruments and were forced into a traveling carnival sideshow act by Mary onlookers paid two pennies to see the sisters and a bit more to touch their bodies where they were conjoined. Ugh! can't believe it's horrible. Letting people touch them. Ugh! Yes. Horrible. But for some reason, I'm left with the impression that Mary, her daughter and son-in-law did not consider Violet or Daisy, their children or family. So that, Getting paid and letting people touch them, I don't think impacted them like we're thinking. I think because they saw the girls as a meal ticket. Mm -hmm. Their earnings were confiscated by Mary, who regularly inflicted physical punishment on the girls if they misbehaved. Later Mary her daughter and son-in-law brought the girls to the US. And soon after Mary died, and then her daughter and son-in-law managed the 11-year-old girls. Oh man, they've been going through this for 11 years already? Already 11 years. I found a quote from Daisy sharing, "We were lonely rich girls who were really paupers living in slavery during their time under the Myers' control." And that was Mary's daughter's m- married name was Myers. But at the age of 23, in 1931, Daisy and Violet sued Myers to break their performance contract. The girls lived Amy for almost 23 years with these people exploiting them. The sisters received a $100,000 settlement, which is roughly like $1.7 million today. But that was only really a small percent of what they actually earned, which I read was about $5,000 a week.
0: Yeah, I bet those people were living like... Lavish, living large yeah. where they were locked in a closet or whatever yeah.
1: with their newly gained professional personal and financial freedom the sisters lived life and worked as vaudeville entertainers what's a vaudeville entertainer that was back in the day they they were stage shows um sometimes they were risque sometimes they had oh, okay. dancing singing like with feathers that yeah kind of stuff. some of that but there were different versions of that but you know that's the life and work that they knew um, so, but they made their own decisions now. So it was different.
0: Yeah. They were keeping their money. They weren't getting exploited and being touched by weirdos. Right,
1: right. They wanted to be adults and not dress like children and paraded on stage. They drank, they smoked, they engaged with men and they dressed in fashionable women's clothing. Wow. I wonder if it was like really hard for them to find clothing back then.
0: I feel like it would be hard today.
1: Yeah, I I imagine every single thing they wore had some kind of alteration for where they were connected. Yeah. probably were seamstresses after learning to do that so often. They traveled with vaudeville acts, including being on the same stage as Bob Hope. They even appeared in two films, (laughs) Freaks in 1932 and Chained for Life in 1950. Their autobiography, The Lives and Loves of the Hilton Sisters, was published in 1942. Seems like they were
0: able to live like pretty decent lives after they broke free from those people.
1: Yep. The sisters shared they were able to mentally live separate and private lives, but they just were never able to convince anyone else of that notion. I mean,
0: like they <laughs> probably slept in the same bed, they did everything together. I mean, how. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like. It's a, and the separate lives? So one's going out at night and the other's not. <laughs> I don't think that's what they meant by separate. They each wanted to have a, a boyfriend? Yes.
1: We'll talk about that. Later in 1989, the musical 20 Fingers, 20 Toes, based on the sisters. That's about them? Oh yeah, based on them. That was 20 Fingers, 20 Toes. <laughs> ran for 35 performances. And another musical with 91 performances surfaced in 1997. Wow. There is even a 2012 documentary, Bound by Flesh, about the sisters' lives. And it won Best Documentary at the 2012 Hollywood Film Festival and at the 2013 Louisiana International Film Festival. Wow. They had a lot of
0: accomplishments. How come I've never seen this Bound by Flesh? I'm going to have to watch it now.
1: Like most young women, Violet and Daisy were looking for love, but their marriage license applications were rejected, allegedly by 21 states on the grounds of gross indecency. Oh my gosh, that's horrible. They probably felt horrible about themselves. That's the whole convincing people that we live separate and private lives. New York City corporate... Council denied a marriage license to Violet and her fiance, Maurice Lambert stating it was illegal to issue a marriage license to two persons, basically bigamy. <laughs> so I guess they thought that he'd be marrying both of
0: them. I mean, why can't they just let them get married? Like what?
1: Violet did eventually get married and charged 25 cents for admittance to her wedding to James Moore. This marriage would later be annulled, making some believe it was a publicity stunt. Oh, just for her to get the money. Yep. Daisy, Daisy also got married to actor Harold Estep. Just like Violet, the marriage was short-lived. I read an account that Daisy was pregnant and gave up her child for adoption. Outside of this, I found no other instances about children and, and the sisters. As the sisters aged and the world changed, neither vaudeville nor the sisters were popular anymore. Still needing to make a living, the sisters toured drive-in theaters to promote their movie *Chained for Life*. <laughs> the, the titles of these movies—that they I don't know who came in. up with these—they <laughs> ran a food stand in Miami. Hmm. They were asked to perform in many different cities, and it usually didn't pan out, is what I read they would arrive in a new city only to have the producer never show up so then they were on the hook to pay for their travel and hotel expenses often and apparently this happened again and again and again right uh, someone thought that they why. Be, it was like funny maybe it was funny maybe they thought that they wanted them to be on the show and then something some other act was more popular more controversial i don't know eventually they ended up in charlotte north carolina I think due to another promise for a paid performance. And this time when it didn't work out, the sisters stayed and found employment in Charlotte at the Morris Costume Empire. When that job ended, they took a job working at the produce counter in a grocery store where it is said very few people ever realized they were actually conjoined twins. But sometimes kids, you know, kids, they see everything. They, they wanted to know how they were conjoined. And the, the sisters, you'd hear the smacking of a head of a kid because he was looking up their dresses. Oh, my God. <laughs> but I read the sisters were quite flamboyant and more stage makeup and clothes and overly dyed hair because that's the life that they had. That's the only life they had known. Yeah, right? like performers. Right. And so they had never really been. Just
0: a normal person uh, working at a deli counter. Yeah. yeah. So. I wonder, like, did they go through their money? they had a little bit of money but they kept
1: getting taken by these yeah you know traveling and traveling i know it's traveling. not their fault but
0: you think after a while it'd be like oh maybe this is maybe we need to get paid up front
1: or something yeah but maybe they didn't have that kind of luxury yeah maybe they were just so hopeful that it right. would work out too yeah so all that makeup the way they dress their hair being dyed like that You know, it was a bit of a spectacle for people when you're working in a grocery store or any other kind of regular non-performing job. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's just how they spent their lives. So it was really, you know, it must have been a change for them to integrate more into kind of a regular life. A mundane nine to five job or whatever. Yeah. It was suggested Daisy and Violet tone it down a bit to work in the grocery store. Become like everyone else. (laughs) Kind of. Just not such flamboyant performance dress and makeup.
0: Hey, maybe it was attracting more customers. You ever think of that?
1: Maybe it was. (laughs) Maybe for the right and wrong reasons. But in Charlotte, the sisters led quiet lives. They were probably tired of all of the entertainment life, right? After a while, after so many years of that. And even when Dr. George B. Callahan showed up in 1967, talking about how they could be separated, They just weren't interested in that at this point in their lives. Yeah. Why would they be interested?
0: They've been together for all this time. I mean, how old were they at this point?
1: They were 59 years old. Yeah. So it's really late for separation. Seems like he had a different agenda about himself. Yeah. He just wanted to be on the TV. Doctor separates
0: conjoined twins after 59 years.
1: Yeah. While living that more common life in Charlotte, Daisy and Violet made a few friends. They worked and went to church regularly. Hmm. Minister John Sills from their church befri- befriended them. And knowing the sisters fairly well or better than most people, he explained that the Hilton sisters didn't want to talk about their pastor careers. And you can understand that.
0: Yeah, I mean, they were being exploited, and then
1: they were just constantly being put on show for people, you know? Yeah, and used by yeah. people. As regular and reliable employees, the workers at the grocery store noticed when the sisters didn't come to work. They fell ill. Co-workers called on Daisy and Violet almost every day. Then one Saturday, the sisters didn't respond at all, and the concerned workers, along with Sills and the Charlotte police, entered the sisters' home and found them dead. Mm. According to a January fourth, twenty twenty-one article in the Charlotte Observer, the twins, residents of North Carolina of Charlotte, North Carolina, died from the Hong Kong flu on January fourth, nineteen sixty-nine. Just about a month shy of their 61st birthday. So they would have probably lived longer if it wasn't for this flu. Yep. That's sad. Yep. And this was the 1968 flu pandemic from the H3N2 virus that surfaced in the U.S. around September of 68. And it resulted in a million deaths worldwide and about 100,000 people in the U.S. died from that. And that's according to the CDC site. Their friend, Minister John Sills, presided over their funeral, where the sisters were buried in a single oversized casket. They're buried at the Forest Lawn Cemetery in Charlotte, North Carolina, with a plaque saying, Daisy and Violet Hilton, 1908 to 1969, Beloved Siamese Twins. And that's the story of conjoined twins, Daisy and Violet Hilton, a somewhat sad story.
0: Hmm. Well, at least they got to live some of their life doing what they wanted yeah, and weren't being exploited by others for their whole entire life
1: and made some friends. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, if you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast. We appreciate all your support and join us September 1st for another episode until then be social and join the BT buddies by following us on Instagram
1: at blood podcast, Twitter at Bloodtide stories, or email us at BloodTidepodcast podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.